Hey, welcome to the Lifehouse Newport News podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring life change through Christ to all people. And we believe that happens when people say yes to Jesus. Do life together, get in the game and leave a legacy. If this podcast inspires and challenges you to grow in your faith, subscribe to ensure you don't miss a single episode and share it with someone you know who may need it too. Again, thank you for joining us today. Now, let's get to this week's episode. I think 2020 ultimately was a year of revealing what we've been building on. Because that's what pressure does. Pressure brings to the surface what is underneath. Can anyone else say amen? I just think about the division we experienced when it came to racial injustice. I mean, all lives, blue lives matter, all lives matter, black lives matter. Politics. Republican, Democrat, Trump, Biden, I ain't voting. You wear a mask, you're just a government pawn. Don't wear a mask, you're just, you just don't love people. I mean, and these are stuff that's happened like in our church. <laughs> like it's crazy to think that we have had leaders that begin this year as leaders in our church, leave our church because they were in complete opposition to someone else that they had completely different political opinions of. Division. Absolutely insane. So what I think we have experienced and what we've seen is we have had churches and Christians building their lives on what they want and slapping Jesus on it. But whenever the pressure comes, it shows that their lives and, or that their church was not built on Christ. It was built what, on what they wanted, and they just threw a, sprinkled a little bit of Jesus in there just to call it so. I think we have seen Jesus was not the center. Jesus was just an add-on. Showed us where Jesus was really at on the totem pole. And when I evaluate 2020 and what it revealed and what it showed, and y'all trust me, I'm going to tell you a part of what God showed, showed me personally in 2020, but also too, what I believe that God showed our church through 2020 is, here's the thing, it revealed clearly what our focus needs to be for this year. And I'm going to give it to you plainly and clearly. I'm not going to say a thus saith God. Right? I'm not going to give you like this came down on stone tablets from heaven. But I will say this was brought on and shown through prayer, counsel, wisdom, and unity within our leadership team. Where we said we feel like for 2021 the focus of LifeHouse is going to be like Jesus. You're like, John, that does not make any sense. So let me help possibly clarify this for you. With all of, with all of the division and distraction and the, beauty, and the beauty and the brokenness we've seen within the church, I believe what the Lord said for us this year is we need to get back on the center of it all. And the center of it all is Jesus. We've been taking too many sides. I'm on this side, that side. Is Jesus on my side? No, Jesus does not pick a side. We choose his side. 
and that we need to say so much division and distraction, and in 2021, we need to get back to the center of it all, and it is Jesus. The vision is not a number. The vision isn't, hey, guys, we're going to be a church of 1,000. No, the vision is a person this year, and his name is Jesus. Because the truth is this, Jesus is the center of it all anyway. So we're just getting back to what already is. Even scripture itself, the center of the Bible is Jesus. Think, think about this. If you have Jesus here, you've got the Old Testament here. The Old Testament, the Old Covenant points towards the coming of Jesus Christ. That's its main, that is its main purpose, is to point towards saying there will be a Savior, a Messiah, that will come and show us who God is and what God's like. The New Testament, the whole purpose of that is to point back towards what Jesus lived and how Jesus died, but how Jesus resurrected so we could be saved from Satan, sin, and death, and that is the gospel. The center of Scripture is Jesus even the role of the Holy Spirit's life, even the role of the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, there was a great question that, that Judas asked, that while Jesus was telling, was telling his disciples about, hey, I'm going to die, I'm going to, like, leave. So they were like, well, Jesus, why do you intend to show yourself to us but not to the world? Great question. I would have probably asked that too. Jesus said, look, I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I'm going to leave you a comforter, a convictor, a helper to not just be with you but to dwell in you. And what he was saying was, is I will give you the Holy Spirit, God himself, to dwell inside of you. Whose purpose is to shape and form inside of you the character of Jesus Christ. We've dumbed down the Holy Spirit to a good feeling, a goosebump, and a service. It's like, whoa, I felt the Holy Spirit, which is basically they sang your favorite song. Let's just be honest. Because it's crazy how, whoa, I felt the Holy Spirit. And you can go out and cuss someone up and down. You can go out and treat somebody close to you like complete garbage. And I'm just saying this because I'm the first one guilty. I'm just kidding. I don't cuss. I'm a pastor. No. Lord Jesus, help me. Nah, but honestly, though, like we've dumbed the Holy Spirit down to just being a a feeling when the role of the Holy Spirit is to literally dwell inside of you, to form and shape inside of you, Jesus. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control, emotional health, psychological health. Even the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to shape and form you to be like Jesus. Even the church itself, when you hear Paul describe, like what is the church? He called it the body of what? Christ. He was, he was even saying, even the purpose of you having a church and doing this whole thing isn't to just have a good vibe, a good feeling, not to just have a good brand, not to just have a good event on Sundays, but the purpose of it is to be shaped and formed to be the body of Christ, to be a visible representation of a Jesus that cannot be seen. That as we come together and unify, you know, because we're the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12, we each have a part to play. We each have different gifts according to the grace given us. And each one of those gifts works together to become a visible representation of a Jesus that cannot be seen. Jesus is the center of scripture. The Holy Spirit's purpose is to shape and form you to be like Jesus. The purpose of the church is to be the body of Christ. At Lifehouse 2021, we are coming back to the center of it all. We're coming back to Jesus. Because y'all, let me tell you what I've battled with. 
is how it can be insane. And really, I'm just being candid with you. Can I be honest? Not honest. I'm, I'm going to be candid. How it is, it is insane how even sometimes we, I, and I say me, we can focus on building a good church but not building good disciples. And we can say, oh, man, we have a great and successful church that looks successful out there. But the question is, is it successful to God? Who's, who's the judge here? Who's, who's the one evaluating? Are, are, are we saying, oh, we look successful to, or are we saying, God, is this even what you want? And that's where the Lord has been convicting me. It's, 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 it's saying, John, you can build a good United States church and be a failure because you didn't build disciples. A couple of things. C.S. Lewis said this, the church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ, to make them little Christ. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. I don't, I don't want to waste time. Neil, Neil Cole said this, ultimately each church will be evaluated by only one thing, its disciples. Your church is only as good as its disciples. It does not matter how good your praise, I think we got some good, good praise, job Isaiah and team, preaching, you get world class, pre- I'm, just, I'm just kidding, programs, doesn't matter how good your praise, preaching, programs, or property are. If your disciples are passive, needy, consumerist, and not moving in the direction of radical obedience, your church is not good. I'll never forget hearing that quote for the first time. And just like falling on my face and being like, God, have I contributed to making disciples needy consumers? Passive. Not moving in the radical of, not moving in the direction of radical obedience, but instead us moving in the direction of what a good United States church looks like. And I'm not convinced that what looks good in the eyes of the United States looks good in the eyes of God. Welcome to our church. Welcome to Lifehouse. Welcome to Vision Sunday. <laughs> um, I just really, really feel that this is a word, a word from the Lord for us this year. That we need to get back to the point. Back to the center. My job, my aim, my passion. Because, y'all, I'll just be candid. This is all stuff that, God, that God's doing in me that God's doing in me, and then what I believe he does it in me, in my heart, in my mind, my soul, and then it's like, God, that's what you want to do within our church. So here's the thing. Let me tell you how this is going to work out practically, and then I want to share with you what I pray you discover about Jesus being the center of this year, okay? Practically, three things. How, how really what I'm going to say is going to provide a structure for us to do what our goal is to provide some framework here. So kind of like the first thing that we're going to do is as a church, we are going to read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And if you're brand new to the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the first four books in the New Testament that are basically eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life said from Matthew's viewpoint, Mark's viewpoint, Luke's viewpoint, and John's viewpoint. And they, and they, and they were recorded and they were written down and preserved for years upon years. The scholarship used is impeccable. You can look it up, check it out. We can say almost to the T what was written 2,000 years back is what we read today. 
and they were the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life and where we get our main foundation to know who Jesus is and what Jesus is like. Now, within those four books, there's 89 chap- chapters. So what we're going to do is we're going to read through those 89 chapters three times as a church body. Okay? So we're going to start, so we're going to read one chapter per day. Starting on the same day, we start our two weeks of prayer and fasting. Who's excited? Only the church people. I'm just kidding. You know you holy and spiritual. If you hear prayer and fasting and you're like, whoa, when on the inside you're like, this is terrible. You know what I'm saying? Even Siri on, on the watch said, I didn't hear you. Right? It's like, what are you talking about, Siri? Get behind me, Satan. Siri. But look. So. We are going to start in Matthew chapter 1 on January. So we're going to start our two weeks of prayer and fasting on January 17th. If you would like to sign up for that. So if you would like to be a part of getting text updates, email updates, and also, too, we're putting together a prayer and fasting guide for you to walk you through this journey. Uh, You can text PAF, which stands for prayer and fasting. Uh, to 757-690-2401, or just reach out to us and let us know that you would like to be on that list and we'll sign you up. But we're going to start reading one chapter per day, January 17th, for 89 days straight, and we're going to end right before Easter Sunday. And then we're going to take a break, a one-month break. Then we're going to dive back into the Gospels starting May 1st, now here's the thing, don't get overwhelmed, we're going we're gonna to send you this information, okay? But at the same time, I'm just walking you through. May to June, we're going to read the Gospels, we're going to take a one-month break, August, and then we're going to start again in September, September, October, November, and we're going to read the, through the Gospels three times together. And one thing that we're going to do, especially this first time, is we're going to actually create a journal for you, where, where the thing is, we're going to have the chapter that you're, going, that you're supposed to read for that day, some questions to help you process it. So look, you might say, John, that's a big step. I don't know, look, I, we, we don't care. If you finish it, great. If you don't finish it, great. We just want you to start. We don't care where you're at on the journey. You say, John, I just came to the church. This is my first time today. John, I don't know the Bible. And some of y'all are scared of the Bible because it's, it's, it's a kind of a big book. And I get it because you can look at it as kind of viewing a textbook in biology. And you're like, yeah, I don't, yeah, okay. Jesus, I love you. <laughs> right? But, but. No, here's saying, no matter where you're at, I've been reading the Bible for 20-some years, and I am more in love with the Bible now than I've ever been. I'm telling you, this book does not get old. God shows you different things at different times because your life is never finished. And the thing, as you dive into God's Word, as you, as you go through different experiences, you see things in the Bible differently. So I don't care if you've been a Christian 20 years, 5 minutes, 10 years, whatever. Even if you're not a Christian, we want to invite you. Let's look, learn, and read about Jesus and get back to the center. And we'll learn and we'll see how Jesus did things. Secondly, not only are we going to read through the Gospels three, three times, all of our sermons and sermon series on Sunday, spoiler alert, are going to be like Jesus. Let me give you a few examples. Pray like Jesus. Love like Jesus. Give like Jesus. Serve like Jesus. Overcome temptation like Jesus. Respond to critics like Jesus. Suffer like Jesus. Have joy like Jesus. Rest like Jesus. Endure like Jesus. Do you see where we're going? Where we are not, our starting point is going to be Jesus 
and the gospels. Of course, we'll go to different places in scripture, but I'm telling you, the starting point, the foundation, the bedrock is gonna be Jesus and his teachings and Jesus and his life. And we're gonna let that set the path and set the place for what we talk on and what we preach on and what we focus on here on Sundays. And y'all, man, if y'all would commit, I promise you, your life is gonna be radically transformed. But here's the thing, right? We just don't want it to be Sundays what you get. That's why we want you to come on Sunday, watch online, come in person, whatever, get the sermon, that's great. But we wanna put a fork in your hand and say, dig into scripture yourself too. So that's why we're partnering this with saying one chapter per day, you get in the word. Because what I believe we fall into in the United States, we have so many books, commentaries. I mean, I don't, sometimes I'm like, why do y'all even come to church? Because like, y'all could watch Stephen Furtick. Y'all could, y'all could go listen to a lot better preachers than some stuttering white guy, right? But it's, it's like, but the truth is this, right? Like, you've got the opportunity to partner with a, with a church community of people that you can know, see, taste, and t- not, that, that, that's weird, not taste, but you're, ex- that's weird, sorry getting really passionate but at the, but at the same time you can you've got people there that that are with you on this journey and that is what we and that is what we want to do we want to say how can we put a fork in your hand to feed yourself at the same time while we're creating a structure for you to hear God's word preached lastly though something that we're going to do the third thing that we're that we're going to put in structurally to focus on Jesus is here is we're going to take communion every Sunday every Sunday because I'll just be candid I've been terrible at this with our church. We do community like maybe once every three, like once every two months, every three, three months, every six months, yeah, whatever. And that's, and that's ridiculous. Because really, communion, Jesus said himself, when you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Communion has the, has the power to it to focus our mind, recalibrate our spirit, recalibrate our thoughts, to be like when we eat this wafer, whatever this thing is that they put in these packets, and drink this probably fermented grape juice, Um, that it has the power to refocus us on what matters, who matters, and what Jesus did for us, and have that be the foundation for us as we launch out into each week. So we're going to do communion every week starting today. We're going to close today's service with receiving the Lord's Supper and the Lord's Table together. So that's the three things structurally we're going to put in place to help us center on Jesus. We're going to read through the Gospels three times. All of our sermons are going to start with Jesus And lastly, we're going to take communion together every day. Now, let me share with you what I pray that are three things about Jesus that you see in 2021 as we study Jesus. Ready? First, you would see Jesus as the substitute for your sin. I know you're like, yeah, duh, John. But here's here's the thing. I think we can sometimes have a lack of love for God because we forget how far we were when Jesus saved us. We can forget how depraved and how terrible our sin is. And when we do that, we forget how great and absolutely miraculous the grace of God is. And I pray that God would give you this year, through the power of the Holy Spirit, a deeper revelation of the depth. And this sounds weird, and it sounds whatever. It sounds so countercultural because, honestly, the culture is like, just look inside of you. You're a beautiful flower. Just look inside. There's a good little you inside of there. Just dig them out. Get them out. You're beautiful. And you know what? I, you know what? Yes, you are beautiful. God, God loves you. But at the same time, the biggest issue we have is our sin. And ultimately, sin is a churchy word that simply means you do what you want instead of what God's best is. 
But Jesus came to die in your place and for your sin and to ultimately restore you into right relationship with God. I love what 2 Corinthians 5 says. That's what Paul said. He said, God made him who had no sin, he's talking about Jesus, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There was a substitution. On the cross, Jesus just didn't die for you. He died as you. He died. He literally paid the price. That should have been you because you have sinned. Scriptures all have sinned to fall short of God's glory. But Jesus substituted himself and said, I have no reason to die, but I will die. He was a servant that sacrificed his life as a substitute for sin. Why? So that you can become the righteousness of God. That word righteousness simply means to be in right standing, in right relationship, where there is now no beef between you and God. The beef has been taken care of, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus did. You are the righteousness of God. So when Jesus looks at you, your new identity is not what you've done, what you've thought, what you said. Your new identity is what Jesus did in your place and for your sin. And you are made right with God. And here's the thing. I think so many people miss this because they think they've got to do good things to be labeled good by God, which that is a load of junk. To be right in God's sight isn't based on your good works. It's based on Jesus' good work. So you don't achieve your salvation, you receive it. That's why it's by grace through faith. That's why you can't earn it. That's why you simply receive it. And then what changes is the good you do is now a result of the good that Jesus did for you instead of doing good to be finally received by God. No, you are received by God because you put your faith and trust in Jesus to do what you couldn't do. That's good news, family. That is such good news, and I pray that you would have a fresh revelation of that as Jesus as the substitute for your sin, but also, too, I pray you would see Jesus as the example for your life. I think we miss this. We focus on Jesus. Yeah, he died for sin, great, but Jesus' life is the example of what it means to follow the Father's will and what many times it means to do God's will. I think we sometimes think Jesus suffered so we didn't have to. Like the... Jesus' life of suffering, he suffered so we did, which is partially true, which is the substitute for sin part. But also, too, we have to also see if we're going to do what is right in the, in the face of what the culture tells us, like if we're going to do the right thing, many times that will get you in a place like Jesus will. Where doing the right thing doesn't always lead to good things happening. Like, like us preachers like to sometimes teach. Just do this and do this and your life will be great. Jesus' life shows us that when you speak the truth to power, when you stand for what is right in the face of what other people think, it could actually get you murdered. I'm not, I'm, I'm not praying that for you. But I'm just saying we have to be careful that we, and that's why I, I, that's why I want you to read. That I don't want you to have somebody else's word for who Jesus is or what Jesus did. I want you to have your own encounter, your own experience. Because I know as you dive in, you will see Jesus' life. Go, go, uh, go, to that, uh, go to that quote by, by Ravenhill, please. Leonard Ravenhill said this, if you want to be like Jesus, remember he had a wilderness, a Gethsemane. And to Judas. Girl, I will. Say that one more time. 
Leonard Ravenhill said, if you want to be like Jesus, yeah, I want to be like Jesus. Remember, he had a wilderness where he was in the wilderness by himself, lonely, hungry, and Satan was tempting him like crazy. He, he had a Gethsemane where he was in the garden right before the worst week of his life, and he is standing there in prayer. Luke, the doctor, actually points out his sweat was like drops of blood, which means his anxiety and stress was so high, his sweat, his, his sweat glands were bleeding. And he's pleading with his father, if there's any way you can take this cup from me, take it. But not what I will, what you will. How many moments in your life are you going to have a Gethsemane moment where you know the path, the right path, the true path is full, is full of hell? And you say, God, can you take this from me? But you know there's no other way. And you say, not my will, but your will. A Judas, someone he loved, he cared for, he poured into, he was in relationship with for three years, turned his back on him. Relational conflict. Gave him the kiss of death. On the cross, Jesus was looking at people he made. He said, Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. Y'all, I'm not saying this whole vision, let's be like Jesus. You know what that's going to mean for 2021? You're you're, going to have wildernesses. You're going to have some Gethsemanes. You're going to have some Judases. And one thing that Ravenhill didn't say that I will put in here is you'll have some crosses to bear. Jesus, Jesus had a cross. I don't tell you this to freak you out. If it's your first time here, welcome. But I just believe I don't want to play games, fam. I do not want to play games. I want us to say, y'all, if Jesus is the example, if Jesus is what we're going for, let's center our church, let's center our lives on Jesus. And he is the example that we are called to follow. First, first John 2 says, says this here. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him. And I think it's like 80% of the United States claims to know Jesus. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys, that's such a key, key word, obeys his word. Love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. This is what we're striving for in 2021. Last, lastly, say, I pray that God shows you he's the substitute, that Jesus is the substitute for sin. I pray he shows you that he's the example for your life. And thirdly, I pray that he would reveal himself as the satisfier of your soul. I told you that, that, I, that I was going to be candid with you and just kind of just, uh, uh, just like share what 2020 revealed personally. Um, so like back in, um, you can come up, man. It sounds better with you playing back, back here. <laughs> and then two though, uh, that lets me know that I need to close. So thank you. Uh, yes, Lord. <laughs> Everyone's like, Hey John, how about a 2021 resolution to shorten your sermons? <laughs> um, yes, Lord. No, but, but honestly though, oh, thank you. Um, honestly, though, um, so 2020 started off January, February, May. Our church, you know, just to be honest, we had some great momentum rolling. 
I mean, highest attendances we've seen in a, in a really long time. Stuff was great and good. But as I look back now, I can't tell you in March, have you ever been in that place where you're, you've, you, you're, you were so busy, you know you had stuff going on underneath the surface, but you kind of kept yourself so busy that you, yeah, that you would forget it, it, it would, you know, when it would come up or kind of rear its kind of just, uh, just like head to you, you would just, you know, you would make yourself busy. Well, whenever things shut down, I couldn't do that. And what I realized is, is that for years, I had these certain feelings, these certain thoughts, that for years I dismissed, I denied, I deflected, and defended. Anyone else been there? Got stuff brewing under the surface and you're like, yeah, I should probably deal with that. Yeah, but, but I'm, you know, I gotta go do the work of the Lord. Now, if there's anyone that is the worst at deflecting, defending, disowning, whatever their feelings to function, it is people in ministry. We're the worst at it. Why? Because we're like, man, we got people to love. We got, we got people to serve. And possibly you have been in that spot too where you know you got stuff you got to deal with, but you're, you're busy or you're dismissing, defending, whatever. Well, in March, it was clear that I, I could no longer like, dismiss what I was feeling. Anger, shame, pride, condemnation, all these things that were just like there and I would just push them and I couldn't do that no more. And so honestly, I was like, I need a, I need a, I don't know, I need something. I need a retreat. So honestly, I was looking online, retreats for pastors. (laughs) I mean, I don't care, barefoot around a fire, whatever. Just give me something. I need to get away and get healed and get healthy. And so I found something called Soul, called Soul Shepherd, which, which this couple started for the purpose of doing soul care for pastors and people in ministry. And that's kind of what, the, what their whole thing is. And what they do is they do these series of one, of one, of one week retreats. It's basically four one week retreats over a period of like 12 months, 18 months, whatever. And so I kind of just like looked at it and I was like, this looks great, but I, I don't want to go to some retreat and sit in a circle barefoot with somebody that's got an acoustic guitar and just has a bunch of dudes talking about their feelings. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, but I was like, whatever, we'll, we'll go check it out. So booked the flight, booked the retreat. It wasn't until July. And so flew out to California before COVID blew up there. Um, and... Uh, we get to this retreat. It's in, the, it's in this like mountainous region in, in California and go there. And the first thing we do at the retreat is they split the guys and the girls up and they have them get in a circle. Exactly what I did not want, right? And what they did is they did something called Visio Divina, which is, which is essentially where they take a chapter of scripture and the one that we were doing, they took Psalm 23 and they put a picture to each scripture verse. So I think Psalm 23 is like seven scriptures. If you don't know Psalm 23, it's, it's like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul, that, that whole chapter, okay? So they would take a picture and assign it to, to, a, to a scripture verse. And what they had you do is they said, hey, come in, find the picture that fully represents the way you're feeling. 
go, oh, Jesus, Lord God. It's exactly what I didn't want, right? So you kind of like walk in there, you're looking at all of, of these pictures. So I picked one that kind of had this shepherd up there and this sheep kind of just like pretty far behind the shepherd. And it was like Psalm 23, one, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And, that, that, and I was just kind of drawn to, the, to that one. I'm not sure why, so I kind of just like pick it up. Um, and, you know, the guys are going, they're all talking about what they felt with their card. And I went dead last because I was honestly like, I don't know what to say and stuff, stuff like that. And right as the last guy was sharing, I looked down, I looked down right at the card and I just felt the Holy Spirit say, John, you've loved me, but you haven't let me be your shepherd. And you wonder why you have this place, this, this, this kind of discontentment in your soul. Because honestly, I was like, why am I not happy? I got a beautiful wife, great kids, amazing church. Like there was nothing on the outside that would make sense for me not to be happy, content, or satisfied. Anyone been there? It's like, why? And I couldn't put my, put my pattern on it. And I really felt the Holy Spirit say, John, you have a genuine love for me, but you have not let me be your shepherd. And you wonder why you are being led to places that you will always feel discontent and not happy. And I was like, huh, okay. And then the Holy Spirit spoke more. He said, and because you are being shepherded, what shepherds you, feeds you, and leads you. And what you're being shepherded by, and I'll just be candid, a couple of things that I was being shepherded by, led by, was church growth culture. Get your church bigger, better, faster, quicker. And y'all, let me tell you, that is an endless cycle. It's never big enough, fast enough. I was being shepherded by shame. And shame is anger turned in on yourself. I was being shepherded by these things. And it was like, those things don't just shepherd you, they feed you. So you wonder why you get good for a season, but you're not satisfied for the long haul. And through this process of revelation and what I feel the Lord showed me, he said, John, I have not just, he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not what? Want. He said, John, I want to take you on this process of not just being your savior, of not just being you have a genuine love for me. I want to be your shepherd. I want you to follow me because when you got me, you're satisfied. You're content. And y'all, by God's grace, starting in July, I've been on this process of finding satisfaction, not in what I have, but who I have. Of saying, I'm thankful for everything God gives me, but I don't need it because it's who I have that gives me what I have. And y'all, that is my prayer for this. I believe that God did that in, in me because he wants to do that in you. Because some of you, you love Jesus. You got all these things that I was talking about, but you still have this deep sense of discontent in your life. And what Jesus is saying is, I want to be the satisfier of your soul. Because let's just be honest. I think we're all searching for the same thing in different ways. Some of you try to find satisfaction in your vocation, in your net worth, in your relationships, in your hobbies. But deep down in your soul, you know you have something, you have a spot, a place that only the creator and king of the world can fill. And Jesus said this about himself in seven different ways, which I've said multiple times, which I'm gonna say often. 
Jesus called himself. He said, I came to be this because you are this. When he said this, I am the good shepherd. Your soul is wandering, I'll care for it. I am the living water. If your soul is parched and thirsty and the stuff you're drinking isn't satisfying, I'm the living water. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. If you're hungry and you're trying to fill it with stuff that doesn't fill, I'm the bread of life. He said, I am the light of the world. If your life feels like darkness, I can come in and bring light and lead you. He said, I am the door. If you need access to God, you've been trying different ways to get to God. He said, I am the door. Jesus said, I am the way. He said, if you feel lost, if you're on the wide path, come back to me. I am the way. He said, I am the way and I will raise dead things to life. And Jesus said this, Matthew. He said, come to me. And I believe this is the call for our church this year. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And that probably describes 95% of you. Come on. And I will give you what? Rest in your soul. It says, take my yoke. And that word yoke simply means teaching. Take my way of life upon you and learn from me. That's what we, that's what we, that's what we want to do this year, learn from him. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Lifehouse fam, I want us to come to him, learn from him, take his teaching, take, take him upon us. He's gentle and humble. And as we do, we are going to find a place of rest and contentment that the world and anything in it could not offer us. Because it's not what we have, it's who we have. The Lord is our shepherd. And because he's our shepherd, he leads and feeds us. And because he leads and feeds us, we do not have to be in a place of want. We can be in a place of full satisfaction, full contentment, Say we might not have everything we want, but we got all that we need. And his name is Jesus. Would you stand up with me, church? The vision for 2020 at Lifehouse is not a number, it's a person. And his name is Jesus. Thank you again for joining us today. If you need prayer, have any questions about what you just heard, or said yes to Jesus for the first, second, or third time today, please reach out to us at lifehousenn.com or text 757-690-2401. We'd love the opportunity to pray for you and help guide you through the next steps in your faith journey. In the meantime, we hope you'll join us online next Sunday at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at lifehouseonline.com or in person for a live worship service at 8.30 a.m. or 10.15 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Theater in Newport News, Virginia. Visit LifehouseNN.com for more information or to reserve your live worship service spot today.